This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Well, we've been hearing a lot in recent years about the province's aging demographics and the labour crunch faced by businesses in all sectors. The labour crunch really came to light during the pandemic. In the U.S., they call it the Great Resignation, but the phenomenon was seen right around the world when many people assessed their lives and priorities and decided to leave the workplace, sometimes in droves. Well, that's left a dearth of experience across the board with businesses having to find new and creative ways to keep going. But are are those who left the workplace now regretting that decision? It's forced some people to contemplate things like what is a job? What is a career? What is a vocation? And to what extent do the tasks and talent for which you are compensated represent a sense of purpose? Is that what many people who have chosen retirement or early retirement now find themselves contemplating? Well, our guest today on On Target is a gentleman by the name of Rick Emberley. He's a Newfoundlander living in Nova Scotia who founded a company called Boomers Plus, which recently underwent a name change to better reflect changing demographics and trends. He joins me now. Hello. Good day. Good day. Thank you for having me, Linda. Well, welcome to the show. So tell first of all, tell us a little about, bit about yourself. Who is Rick Emberley? <laughs> well, uh, born and grew up on Gower Street. <laughs> uh, graduated from Memorial University. Started a business uh, shortly thereafter. Moved to Halifax initially for the purposes of expanding the business. And uh, I thought it was an eight-month startup situation that turned into 30-plus years. <laughs> um, but the, the business uh, would be known to some of your listeners, I'm sure. It, uh, it worked under the brand of uh, Bristol Group for a number of years and was essentially a marketing, consulting, advertising, public relations, marketing research organization. So that's that's the encapsulation of what I've been up to. Oh, and of course, a lot of people remember that name. Uh, absolutely. I know we've done a lot of work with Bristol Group in the past. So um, that career path, um, was it entirely with Bristol Group? What, what kind of roles did you play within the company? Oh, no. It, uh, I was one of the original founders, we'll call it. So uh, I was with them for the duration. Uh, uh, when I was like exiting the business and we went through, I'll call it an amal- amalgamation merger with a, a competitive group that's, again, probably well known as at least some of your, uh, some of your listeners, M5 organization. And it was in that process I continued to uh, work in consultation with them for a number of years. Still do a small bit of work there. But uh, long and the short of it is that uh, the uh, my planning for my own sort of exit from that career and from that business is what ultimately led to the creation of of Boomers Plus and is now, as you mentioned, marketed as seasoned pros. So what f- caused you to form Boomers Plus, what was previously known, I suppose, as Boomers Plus? Uh, well, I'm a workaholic, I guess you might say, and the idea of having an incredibly busy career over, you know, 
certainly 30 plus years, the idea of just stopping it, as it were, and walking away from that at, uh, at the on a Friday afternoon with little or nothing else uh, to to do starting Monday morning uh, didn't really resonate with me. So that was the germ, if you like, of, of the idea or the concept that I wasn't unique in that respect, that there were thousands, uh, well, more than hundreds, thousands, and, and maybe even millions of, of people that were going to be finding their way into that world over the course of the you know the coming years based on the demographic profile that you just described in your introduction. And of course, I, it strikes me that, you know, anybody who's involved in uh, PR or marketing, you're used to uh, thinking a lot, to finding creative solutions to common everyday uh, sort of situations and encapsulating it and regurgitating it and all of those kinds of things. Uh, very uh, hands-on, but also very um, intellectual, if you know what I'm saying. So it's hard to just turn that off. Yeah, uh, and I don't think that's particularly unique uh, to that. But certainly when you're in that world, you you do a lot of multitasking. You do a lot of brainstorming and forecasting and thinking about what, uh, not so much what your own world is going to look like in the coming weeks and months and years, but what your your client's world is going to look like, what the marketplace is going to look like. So when that becomes part of your normal process of how you think and how you operate on a day-to-day basis, as I say, pretty hard to shut that down on short notice. For sure. And uh, unlike other jobs where you say, well, you know what, my back just can't handle this anymore. I mean, your brain is always firing off, if you know what I'm saying. So you can't, like, just stop. Uh, Yeah. And... um, you know, what we discovered in, in when we were formulating the idea and the concept, uh, we talked to a lot of people who were either just recently retired. We actually conducted surveys based on my marketing background um, that uh, we talked to people who had recently retired and we talked to a number of people that were in the process of thinking that through and figuring it out and trying to. Uh, you know, I guess you would say plan what their world and what their lives and, uh, you know, social and otherwise was going to look like in, in the coming years. And we took a lot of learning away from that process that helped us create the, the you know, the concept that we're working with today. And I want to ask you a little bit about what Season Pros does when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley. Uh, he is the founder of Season Pros. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley, the founder of Seasoned Pros. Uh, he was formerly, of course, with Bristol Group. Um, and so what exactly is Seasoned Pros? What does it do? Well, uh, I guess the compressed version of it is that we're an, an on-demand uh, talent agency. Our purpose in uh, in our system is we have developed a database of uh, several thousands of individuals that fall into that demographic you and I were discussing prior to the break. And almost exclusively, we deal into what is increasingly being referred to as fractional employment, which simply means that the uh, 
businesses, not-for-profits, even public sector organizations come to us on a very regular basis, and they're looking to fill what I would call pain points in their employment circumstance at the moment. They've got uh, struggles finding permanent full-time employees. They've gotten to be particularly busy at a point in their uh, business cycle, and they need some uh, someone or maybe more than someone, uh, some people to step in and fill the gap. And the people in our database, we maintain very, very detailed profiles of them. And our uh, purpose is when an organization comes to us looking to deal with that gap in their talent pool, that we're able to respond very, very quickly. As a matter of fact, our our guarantee to our customer is that we will put qualified candidates in front of them in 10 days or less. Uh, so what happens is that uh, we, we our current database exceeds 10,000 individuals, and it's growing daily. And it's uh, heavily concentrated in sort of Atlantic Canada because that's where the business started. But it is by no means uh, only operating here. We have uh, several thousand individuals in the database from here to Vancouver and back. Are there certain areas or sectors where you see greater demand? Uh, yes, there are areas in which, uh, you know, the, the pain seems to, shall we say, seems to pop up more often. Uh, the areas having to do with, frankly, marketing, uh, finance, and a variety of engineering and project management types of uh, assignments come uh, come to us on a quite regular uh, quite regular basis and we also operate a very extensive what we call mentorship program and uh, so we've been doing mentorship work uh, now with all sorts of organizations including by the way colleges and universities and and economic development organizations and so on and that emerged primarily in the through the covid period when the stress factor on uh, you know on on talent and uh, on on businesses and organizations generally spiked obviously mentorship is interesting because i mean um the value that a person brings to the table just with their life experience alone uh yes i've seen this before this is how we handled it then it may not apply now but we can find some solutions um that kind of knowledge well you can't pay enough for it really well, no, and it's. Uh, I can tell you with certainty that the reaction that we got to our men- and continue to get from our mentorship program is frankly over the moon, both both from the mentors themselves, as well as uh, as we what we refer to as the mentees, the organizations or the individuals that are receiving the advice and the assistance. Uh, at, you know, at various times through the uh, when uh, COVID was, say, at its worst, and obviously it's still with us, but um, we would have had as many as 250 mentors operating within our system, and uh, they were providing advice. Uh, we actually have mentorship uh, programs underway right now targeted at the student population. And uh, which is uh, just starting to get some really, really interesting traction. And it's also operating within the field of uh, immigration. 
where uh, we're providing mentors uh, to individuals who are trying to, you know, uh, find employment and let's say settle into our communities, you know, again, primarily in Atlantic, but essentially across the country. That's an important role as well, just to give someone who's new to the place a lay of the land. Here's how um, things work here. I'm not sure how it compares to where you came from, but uh, uh, we'll help you along the way. Yeah, particularly uh, not to uh, sort of uh, head off on that bit of a tangent, uh, but uh, the, the, what, what, one of the things that we're discovering, say, in the, on the immigration file is that immigrants come into the province. The head of household almost requires a job even to get in here. But then members of the household, spouses, adult children and so on, have incredible challenges finding employment. And then, you know, governments and various kinds of agencies and organizations have spent time, money, effort recruiting the immigrants in the first place. And then because family members can't find useful employment, the next thing you know, they pick up, particularly in places like Atlantic Canada, you know, St. John's, Halifax, Moncton, whatever the case might be. Next thing you know, they're headed off to major centers like the Montreal's, Toronto's, Vancouver's, etc., and all the effort that the governments and agencies have put into attracting them, poof, gone. <laughs> Is that because they're not getting that on-the-ground uh, assistance? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, to a certain extent. Uh, it, it certainly factors into it. As I say, the, the head of household situation is pretty secure. But if family members, you know, are frustrated and, you know, seeking opportunities and particularly in, in employment, uh, that becomes a real issue for what is referred to as retention of the immigrants. So, right, because so, uh, I, I, yeah, ha- yeah, you might have the job here, but I'll have a better chance of getting a job if we um, take the family move over there. You got it, and that's exactly that's exactly the phenomena, and it's happening all too often. And so, we've begun to do some interesting work in that space trying to assist those family members to settle in as well and find useful employment. They don't end up driving cabs around town. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration, obviously, but you get the point. Um, yeah, so uh, we we started into that activity and are seeing some early evidence of, uh, of we'll call it success. And that's a very interesting tangent. Um, but are companies coming coming to you and saying, "Look, you know, we we are seeing a, a, a gap here. We have a serious gap in right. in talent and um, and experience that we need to fill." Yeah. Well, there's there's all sorts of uh, you know evidence of the trend there. Linda, you touched on it again in your introduction. The reality here is that uh, APEC, as an example, put out a a report not that many months ago in which they've been trying to sort of track, you know, it wasn't that long ago. And and don't hold me to the preciseness of the numbers I'm going to share with you, but from a trend perspective, they are real. And that is that it wasn't so long ago that for every person that was retiring, you know, there was... uh, 10 or 15 new people entering the workforce, you know, that could replace them. Now that trend is scary in the sense that for every person that's that's leaving, 
uh, and retiring and so on the workforce. Uh, there's not even sufficient uh, new people entering to you know to take up that uh, that role, uh, and and that's. Uh, still projected to be well into the 2030s, that's going to be a growing trend. So, okay, well, well, what's the solution? Well, there's three or four. One is that people that do retire retain and continue to use their skill and expertise and talent in the workforce, uh, not necessarily on a full-time basis because they're not career-motivated at that point. So that's one that's one thing, and that's a space that we work in uh, actively. Uh, another is, and uh, every government in the country and in other countries have aggressive immigration processes and programs underway to try and fill that uh, that uh, you know that gap. And, and then the the third thing is to actually stimulate uh, economic growth. So one of the things that uh, that we've been doing actively is working with uh, what is often referred to as incubator hubs and economic development organizations, and that's also part of where our mentorship program comes into play. So assisting, you know, startup businesses and assisting students in transitioning from their studies into employment and creating businesses and business opportunities and so on. So there's no single solution to this thing, but uh, as they say, the train's coming down the track. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley, founder of Profession, uh, sorry, Seasoned Pros. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley, founder of the company known as Seasoned Pros. And Rick, you know this yourself, or used to be one time, uh, 65. Once you hit 65, you hit mandatory retirement. You got your watch, the pat on the back. Uh, good luck in your future endeavors. Out you go. Uh, and if you didn't feel like, uh, if uh, if you felt like sticking around, you um, were often felt pressured uh, to leave anyway because you were the perception was that you were taking a job away from a younger person is that still true uh well that perception is still true but the reality of it has changed dramatically over the last handful of years uh the and that was the point i was guess i was trying to uh, uh, emphasize when i made reference to that apec uh, study uh, that 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 is not an accurate reflection of the state of the workforce at the moment and, frankly, the state of the, the economy generally. Right now, many, many businesses and many organizations are struggling to fill the talent gap that's being left as a consequence of retirement. And that was, it wasn't that many years ago that that was not the case. And uh, it is now, and it's almost universal in nature. I think a lot of people who are working now may find themselves contemplating or even fantasizing about retirement. But is it all Freedom 55 and fun and games and travel and grandchildren, or or do people get bored? Well, I think people get bored. Uh, When I mentioned earlier that we had literally conducted a survey 
uh, of uh, we'll call the call it the demographic before launching this business effort. Um, money was like number three or four on the list of reasons why people would want to continue to engage in the workforce and in their areas of expertise and so on and so forth. Uh, number one was engagement. So that uh, that reflects your comment about, uh, you know, boredom. Uh, you're, you're putting in long, hard hours for whatever, 25, 30, even 35 and 40 years. And then, as I mentioned earlier, somebody taps you on the shoulder on a Friday and tells you to go home. Uh, I'm sorry, I can only squeeze in so many games of golf. Uh, so engagement, a really, really strong sense amongst particularly, you know, people that have held... Uh, I'll call it senior level positions through their careers. And that's our area of concentration, I might add. But uh, of uh, a real strong sense of giving back, uh, giving back to their profession, giving back to their communities in some way or another. Uh, We are very regularly assisting not-for-profit organizations, you know, finding talent to help them through uh, you know, a particular period or a particular project or whatever the case might be. That's a very, very regular part of our business. What was it about the p- pandemic in particular that uh, led to the great resignation? Uh, well, uh, of course, the workplace itself changed so dramatically. And, uh, you know, people that were sort of on the verge, we'll call it, of some form of retirement. Actually, we often use the word in in our business, we refer to it as pre-tirement, because it doesn't even form the same basis of the definition of whatever 20 or 25 years ago. The idea that, you, as I mentioned, you stop on a Friday and go off and do whatever in the heck it is you want to be doing. <laughs> But uh, as I I think I indicated earlier in our chat, uh, we deal in what we call fractional employment. So uh, uh, when organizations come to us, uh, they're they're not looking often and almost always not looking for full-time employees. They're looking to deal with the stress of a particular circumstance at this point in time. So when I say fractional, 95 plus percent of everything we do is filling what we'll call part-time, term-style, project-driven assignments, interim roles to help an organization bridge from a current circumstance into hopefully a better circumstance in X number of weeks or months down the road. And 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 that's a growing re, a growing reality. And and one of the reasons that we changed the name of the business that technically the word boomer is de- defined by you, you were born between forty six and sixty four. Uh, and uh, but now there's a whole other generation starting to deal with either already into retirement or moving into that. That zone, we'll say. Uh, are people starting to regret? We talked about the great resignation. There was a lot of people, as you say, in the pre-retirement or, you know, um, anyone really in their 40s, 50s plus sometimes um, uh, looking at uh, changing their careers and that sort of thing or just getting out of it altogether. Um, are yeah. people starting to regret it now? Uh, 
I, I I don't know if I'm really qualified to comment on on whether or not that's seen to uh, be a regret. What we do pick up very regularly in our uh, work, however, is a shift in both the desire and the reality of what's going on in you know in the workforce and so on. And again, there are multiple studies out there these days. You know, from governments and organizations like StatsCan and and uh, you know uh, academic sources and uh, you know and various groups of that nature that actually present some reasonably scary data and trends about how people are both approaching uh, retirement. What is the capacity within the workforce to replace them? And what, in fact, is their desire? And how do they kind of define, define excuse, uh, retirement on a go-forward basis? Attitudes have and are shifting for all sorts of reasons. So are, for those reasons, are workers who chose retirement over the last little while in particular, are they starting to come back into the workplace? Are they starting to say, you know, uh, I might be interested in helping you out here? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to overly, I'll call it magnify the circumstance here. Right now, our database would include uh, well in excess of 10,000 individuals. Now, we tend to be recruiting people who've got 15 to 20 years of, you know, various uh, I'll call it business uh, experience, but we have people that grew up in ac- the world of academics. We have people who sort of grew up their careers in uh, in the public sector and all sorts of uh, issues. So uh, I, I would say that we have the, the marketplace covered, uh, but we're folk- uh, our particular focus is on fairly senior level individuals who've held, uh, you know, a supervisory management and and, and C-level type, uh, you know, executive, if you like, uh, types of expertise. Um, the, uh, that's not to say that the demand and the issue is not equally as relevant, you know, when you start to move into areas associated with trades and things like that. Uh, quite the contrary. Uh, there's every bit of evidence that uh, there are many trades out there right now that are challenged. And uh, it's it's just that we, we've chosen a particular focus for what we're doing. That doesn't mean that there's no demand in other, you know, in other aspects or areas of the, uh, of the workforce. What are uh, workers or seasoned workers looking for when they re-enter the workplace? Oh, that's a toughie. Uh, well, it's a toughie in the sense that, you know, probably no two people are entirely alike. Um, uh, let, let's face it, when uh, when I think it was Bismarck <laughs> struck the retirement age 100 years or so ago, said it, um, it was ironic. I think he said it or uh, introduced it, shall we say, as uh, 65, and the uh, life expectancy was 62. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, we our economies grew and went forward over, uh, you know, decades and decades. Retirement age remained in that sort of 60 to 65 age, and now people live to be 83 or 84. 
So, so you know, the, the reality, uh, the world is changing for people. They have to sustain their lifestyles and they have to maintain their interests over a considerably longer period of time when somebody invented so-called retirement, you know, as I mentioned, decades and decades ago. And people are living so the, longer and healthier. Yes, absolutely. And for that reason, they're motivated and stimulated to be doing things differently and continuing to be. But in fairness, they put in their 30 or 40 years in their in their careers, and they don't necessarily want to be getting up and doing going to work at 9 o'clock in the morning and going home at 5 o'clock in the afternoon or even more so going to work at 8 o'clock and going home at 7. So uh, so what we've captured in our database are individuals who want to stay in, involved, who want to stay engaged, who want to continue to use their expertise and so on, and have this rather strong sense of, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, giving back, we'll call it, to their professions and their, and their communities, but are not seeking certainly longer-term full employment. We spoke about that sense of purpose earlier. Do you find that people who are re-entering uh, the workforce uh, after retirement uh, feel like they have a little bit more control over their hours and their fate in the workplace, so to speak? I mean, when we're talking about slogging away at your job, you're, you're looking for that break. But when you're coming back, you might have a little more control and, and perspective to be able to say, OK, I'm going to work on this project. And then, you know, if you need me for something else, you can give me a call. Yeah, and and, uh, and that's the way these things evolve, and it's not unusual when people take on so-called term style or part-time type uh, assignments that it, is, it does evolve. We've had more than a handful of occasions when somebody has gone to work with a, an organization or a company, and uh, the original assignment was deemed to be, you know, uh, uh, full-time, but it was only full-time for three or four months. But once the individual and the organization got into it and so on, both parties were really not just enjoying it, but seeing productive outcomes from it. And next thing you know, the individual decides that he's going to or she is going to stay on for whatever, you know, a year or two. <laughs> that that's not a that's not an uncommon evolution. But our focus, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, and we only represent, as I mentioned earlier, a, a piece of the puzzle here. But our focus is on that sort of part-time, project-driven, interim role activity. That's where uh, that's where we think we're having the best success. And as I mentioned right now, uh, one of the uh, spin-offs, if I can, just to drift back to an earlier point or question you were asking, has to do with this sort of impact of COVID, you know, in the marketplace. One of the things that uh, uh, we learned through that period is the reliance on, uh, you know, I'll call it virtual employment. So we would have had, you know, people who were quite expert in the particular field, subject matter, uh, based in a Vancouver, assisting a business in downtown Moncton, or whatever the case might be. And that became way more acceptable through the period of COVID when, you know, pandemic conditions almost prevented people from interacting, you know, face-to-face. -face. 
and and that actually uh, helped our helped our business, <laughs> ironically, uh, because it gave us a deeper pool, if you like. We were able to tap into expertise elsewhere across the country to help companies and organizations that were based here in, uh, well, based in Newfoundland or based in Nova Scotia or whatever the case might be. Right, because somebody in Gander might love to work on the project, but they might not necessarily want to travel to Moncton to do it. Uh, totally, and that's exactly what has evolved, and it's now become, I'll call it the norm, that uh, when, when we're now, if we get a call tomorrow from an organization and say, look, well, you know, we need an interim, and I'm just using this hypothetically, obviously, but uh, we're in urgent need here of a CFO, a chief financial officer level individual that we think we're going to need for three, four months or something like that, or three days a week for the next uh, the, the next six, uh, six months. It wasn't that long ago that that expectation would be that it would be somebody on the ground that walked into the office every day. Uh, now what we're discovering is that people's attitudes and perceptions and reality, <clears throat> that person might be living in whatever, Hamilton, Ontario, and helping, as you just mentioned, helping a company in Gander or somebody living in Gander with that type of expertise is helping a company in Fredericton. I want to ask you about uh, changes in the workplace when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley, the founder of Seasoned Pros. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is Rick Emberley with uh, Seasoned Pros. He's the founder of that company. But before we go back to Rick, I want to... fill people in on a little uh, advisory here. The provincial government is advising that the provincial 811 healthline number not available right now. Anyone seeking medical advice or experiencing a mental health crisis is asked to call 709-702-0890 until the 811 healthline is restored. And you must dial all 10 digits regardless of where you're located in the province in order to access that. We're going to have all the information and the alternatives for you um, up on vocm.com in due order. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, just to let everybody know, the 811 Healthline number currently unavailable. Uh, People being asked to call 911 in case of an emergency. And there are other numbers to call as well, uh, depending on your circumstance. And we'll have that all up on vocm.com in the next little while. So, um, Rick, uh, changes in the workplace, and I think about how much this workplace has changed since I started in this business, and even sometimes the pace of uh, change in technology and even attitudes uh, has been a lightning quick in some areas. And I wonder, it does is that a little daunting for somebody who's been out of the workforce for even two or three years? Are they afraid that they might be a little bit out of date or not up to speed? Uh, well, I guess the simple answer is yes. Uh, the extent and the degree of it, uh, however, hasn't become what I'll call problematic in the kinds of work that uh, we've been doing. It, it does uh, it does reflect itself uh, much more so in areas associated, for instance, with IT, uh, as you might expect. 
but uh, you know we've had we're batting uh, like ni- over ninety five percent success rates of actually finding people to fill roles within organizations, and um, the uh, and w- we hover around. 90% when we're approached by an organization, business, not-for-profit or otherwise, uh, we're hovering around 90% of actual hiring taking place. Uh, and uh, the, the speed, because the, uh, the business is, you know, is fundamentally uh, a, uh, a, what used to be often called a dot-com business, it's an online business. Uh, technology is doing most of the so-called heavy lifting. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, the capacity of the system to find individuals, to scour through the database and find people that match the need is almost scary, to be honest, and, and unbelievably successful. So with that success rate, do you find that uh, companies are coming back to you time and time again and saying, look, you know, that worked out really well for us. We're going to give this another try. Well, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, n- not to make this aggressively commercial in my responses. I'm, I'm trying to reflect what's actually really going on within the marketplace itself and not just within, uh, you know, within our company. Um, and I mean, there are other tools out in the marketplace, you know, to deal with uh, employment issues and gaps and so on. You know, traditional uh, executive search uh, firms, a variety of staffing type organizations, and they're all, uh, frankly, quite. Uh, my understanding, at least, is they're all quite you know, busy uh, these days. <clears throat> the you know our focus is as I've described it uh, on more than a couple of occasions now is trying to address a particular aspect of the you know of what's going on in the workforce, but you know gov- governments slowly but surely are starting to you know engage in a significant way trying to find I guess solutions to to uh, you know to the reality. I'm not sure I really answered your question there, but. <laughs> and how frequently uh, do you update the database? You say about uh, 10,000 individuals. Do you find that uh, workers are coming to you and saying, hey, you know what? That was really fun or that was really rewarding. Um, uh, make sure I'm still on there. Or do you have some people coming to you and say, uh, you know what? That really wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, no, we get very little of the latter. Last year, Linda, uh, we had as few as a couple of occasions in which when we created, I'll call it a match between an organization and an individual, that the organization came back to us X number of days or weeks or whatever later and said, that didn't really you know, pan out the way we wanted. And and of course, we we immediately went to work with them to try and fix or resolve that. But literally, it was you know uh, as infrequent an issue or a problem as uh, as I've just suggested. Literally, like a couple of times over the course of a year. Who do you get the most um, feedback from? Is it the employers or the the workers? Well, we do both. Uh, one of the things that we do. Uh, as a religion almost in the business is 
constantly react and interact and check back with both the employers uh, and the so-called employees, or in the case of mentorship, the mentors and the mentees, and and get the kind of feedback so that we're constantly making whatever adjustments we think are necessary to improve the quality of the of the matchmaking process. Uh, I, I get in trouble around the uh, around the office uh, when uh, when I say this, but I'll say it anyway. And that is, we see ourselves as e-harmony for companies. <laughs> and it, it struck me as you were talking about making these matches. Yeah, well, I said, you know. "Well, you know, that's, that's almost what it sounds like." But I, I get it. I get how that yeah. could get you in a little bit of trouble. But anyway, um, uh, this is great, Rick. We're we're out of time, I'm afraid. Um, but I really appreciate your time. So, if anyone's interested, listening and interested, either as an employer or as uh, someone whose talents uh, they're offering them up, uh, how can they get in touch? Oh, well, the simplest way is, uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, put on my marketing hat (laughs) and ask that they reach out to the database or to the website. It's very simple and straightforward. It's seasoned, that's uh, with a D, all one word, seasonedpros.ca. And uh, I think uh, we've spent enormous amounts of time, money, and effort making sure that that website is very user-friendly, we'll call it. And if uh, people are interested in either as employees, we'll call it, registering, it's very, very straightforward. And uh, if they're calling because they're an organization seeking talent, uh, the process is, you know, equally efficient, and they'll be hearing from us in very short order. Rick Amberley, once again, thank you so much. Former president of the Board of Trade. I didn't realize that till Brian Medora texted me and said so. Uh, <laughs> really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks very much. I really appreciate you taking the time and effort to give us this opportunity. Really do. Thank you so much. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.